coming up on today's show. Did Aaron Rodgers actually strengthen his position with Green Bay this week? And did the Patriots reach a new level of dirty with Mac Jones twisting Brian Burns' ankle? And where are we on the perpetual Baker Mayfield cycle? All of that and much, much more coming up on the Penguin Random House Creative Writing Awards winning Tomahawk Football Show. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the world-famous Tom and Hawk football show. Uh, voted the best all-terrain vehicle by J.D. Power and Associates. Two-time Grammy Award winning. You know all the accolades. I'm Andrew Hawkins, joined by my co-host, humblest of all co-hosts, 10-time Pro Bowler. That's actually a real accolade. Joe Thomas. Joe, what's up, man? How you doing this morning? I'm doing terrific, my friend. And I'm very excited about today's show, so I think we should just jump right into it. You always you always come on and say how excited you are about the show. You never say like, hey, what's up, Hawk? I don't feel like doing this show today, which I appreciate. But I also think you're kind of full of it a little bit. No, no, it's it's 100 percent legitimate and authentic because I only get to see your beautiful face a couple days a week. And mm. I always want to make the most of those opportunities. So I'm a guy, you know, based on my long career in Cleveland, I don't like to let those opportunities slip through my fingers. Yeah. And that's why I'm so excited when we get to talk and we get to do the podcast. I love it, man. Every time we get to do the show, it's a it's a win. You talk about seeing my face. I realized, well, my daughter realized a couple things. And I have three kids for people that don't know. I have a nine-year-old son and twin six-year-old girls. Son obsessed with football. I mean, like in, in our fantasy league, he's already, I think he's two, two wins. He's already trading draft picks for the <laughs> next fantasy draft. He's like, this season's mm-hmm. a wash. I'm getting rid of Darren, Darren Waller for a fifth round fantasy pick. But my, my daughter was watching TV and she was like, Daddy, I want to be famous one day. I'm like, well, what, what does famous mean? She's like, oh, you're on a TV show like, like Jace Norman from Henry Danger. And so my son is like, Dad's on TV shows every single day. Her response was, yeah, but his shows aren't good. Um, <laughs> oh, so, ringing endorsement. Ringing endorsement. So I appreciate you uh, caring about doing a show with me. Even Dan, though it sounds like thinks. your son is a regular Les Snead, huh? He's just getting rid of all of his uh, future picks. Or he's the opposite, I guess, because he's trading his guys now for future picks. If I can get all this cryptocurrency that I don't understand to hit and become a, a multi-multi-billionaire and buy a team, he's going to be the GM. I don't care if he's 12. He's going to be the GM. <laughs> We're going to shake things up a little bit, Joe. There's no nepotism in the Andrew Hawkins household, that's for sure. None. None. Also... And I want to ask you this real quick before we get into all the football talk. Do your kids realize that you got paid for playing football? My daughter just came to that realization yesterday. So do your kids know that you got like your youngest? Do they know, oh, daddy got paid to play football, which is kind of how we have 17 ranches. Yeah, I feel like they they know that. Um, and it's it's mostly because... I'm laying around on the couch all day and my kids come home from school and they're like, why are you home again? Like all the other <laughs> kids in my school's daddies, like are, they're gone during the day. And my mom, my wife, thankfully almost called her my mom, my wife, sometimes <laughs> she feels like my mom. Cause she mothers me. Uh, no, my wife does a great job of saying, well, honey, your dad played football for a very long time for the Cleveland Browns and worked really hard. So he doesn't have to work every day now. And uh, the translation is he hardly ever works and he's a lazy bum. He should get his ass off the couch and go to work and be productive. But uh, she doesn't say that, thankfully. So I think the kids have some concept of like, he worked hard and his body's beat up. 
So therefore, he doesn't have to work now. But they're just starting to get like the co- like the understanding of what an allowance is, and like that gotcha. money buys things, and that if they want like Snickers bars, they have to come up with some type of cash transaction to be able to do right. those things. So they're they're starting to to grasp that concept a little bit. Yeah, I got to do a better job. I, I, my daughters have no idea how any of that works. We were watching football. You guys don't even oh. do an allowance or anything. Well, no. Because, I mean, they're six. We, I mean, not we're not quite, I don't feel like we're at allowance level yet. And also, I never grew up with an allowance because there was ne- never any extra income. So <laughs> Here's your allowance, I, kid. It's I don't sticks. even know how it works, to be honest. Someone has to teach me first. But we were watching the game and something, like, maybe my son, the Browns and Bengals are playing. And he's like, hey, Dad, why did you leave Cincinnati to go to Cleveland? And you're like, for the money, of course. <laughs> I'm like, well, a big part of that, son. Um, <laughs> economics of football. Yes. It was because they gave me a bigger contract, and they paid me more. And my daughter, like Ray Farmer's your grand, your, your godfather. <laughs> you don't know why we call him Uncle Ray Farmer. Um, <laughs> so my daughter drops her her toy, like, and I'm like, what? And like, she's like, you got paid to play football, and <laughs> it was like the realization, like, wait a minute, this isn't just a game. And I was like, yeah, I did. She's like, does Austin get paid? Her nine-year-old brother. <laughs> I'm like, he better not because the NCAA yeah. is going to be pissed. Speaking of being paid handsomely, Aaron Rodgers. I mean, I want to get your perspective, Joe. You were the Wisconsin uh, expert on this show between us. You and Aaron Rodgers are basically best friends. You spent a number yeah. of years at the Pro Bowl with each other, drinking buddies, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you make of this whole situation? And, and do you agree with what Aaron is saying, which I'm not even... 100% sure what the hell Aaron is saying, I'll be honest with you. So maybe you can explain a little bit for me. Yeah, maybe I could do some type of uh, Aaron Rodgers translate, like Google Please Translate do. here for you. I don't speak with what, what he's saying is he's an anti-vaxxer, right? Like everybody he hangs out with is against the vaccine. Everybody that he takes advice from is anti-vax, which, you know, in America, that's fine. That is your prerogative to decide prerogative. whatever you want to do. But uh, that doesn't mean you, you you have a freedom to decide whatever you want to do, but not a freedom from consequences, right? But unfortunately, Aaron kind of wants both, right? He wants to be able to not follow the NFL rules for unvaccinated players, but he also doesn't want to have to get the vaccine. So even though everybody in Green Bay on the team, coaching staff, everybody knew that he wasn't vaccinated, he wanted everybody on the outside to kind of think that, hey, maybe he is vaccinated because he said he's immunized and he kind of swept it under the rug because he doesn't want that to be a story. He doesn't want people to ask him about it because mm-hmm. he feels that's a personal decision. The problem is, though, when people find out, then they're going to be like, dude, you lied about it. You made everybody believe that you were vaccinated when you weren't. Um, and so they feel like they've been betrayed. And, and certainly it's coming back to haunt him because his decision not to get vaccinated caused them to lose the game last weekend because they lost by seven to the Kansas City Chiefs who have a terrible defense. And you can't tell me that Aaron Rodgers is not worth more than seven points against the Kansas City Chiefs (laughs) defense. And in the NFC where, uh, especially this year, now that we've got an expanded playoffs and there's only one team that's getting a bye week during the uh, first round of the playoffs, that first seed overall is really important and the NFC is ultra competitive. And that one loss could be the difference for the Green Bay Packers between getting the number one seed and maybe the two or the three seed. So he he cost his team a lot with his decision to not get vaccinated. All right. So now that I got the 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 uh, Cliff Notes version of it, I guess my my issue with it, not even issue, right? You're, like you said, this is America. You have the ability to choose what you want, not freedom of consequence itself. There's backlash, there's backlash. 
we've seen other people, other quarterbacks, other, you know, public sports figures, you know, right. make the position they don't want to be vaccinated. Yeah, Kirk Cousins, Carson Wentz, Lamar Jackson. There's probably other ones, but they're the ones that everyone kind of sees. And, you know, they're not exactly all following all the rules either. You see Carson Wentz uh, on the sideline during the preseason. He had his mask down. And they, they, uh, they, this is such a new thing that all these teams are trying to figure out, like, what's the cultural accepted rules that we don't follow? And then what's the culturally accepted rules that we do follow? And so I think Aaron Rodgers is pushing it a little bit too far in the other direction, right? Going to these uh, press conferences without his mask on, going to the Halloween parties, like doing things that clearly are against the rules. But he's thinking, well, you know, maybe this is kind of the gray area where I can just kind of fudge it a little bit and I can get away with it, right? Because it's all new and nobody's really tested the waters yet. Yeah. And I think like the problem is, and it's, you know, not vaccinated, vaccinated, whatever. It becomes a story after three or four days, people move on, whatever. No one talks about Kirk Cousins or Carson Wentz or anybody, right? But I think his thing is it sticks because all of the different headlines that he had with Green Bay in the offseason, is he moving on? Is he not? Does he want to be there? Does he not? He's an MVP. But then the fact that he lied about it and yeah. you could say, oh, he didn't lie. Well, we know. I mean, we're he, everybody he clearly lies. meant to mislead. Right. He he th- he'd been thinking about it. He knew he wasn't getting vaccinated. So going into that press conference the entire time, he's like, all right, what can I say to get people off my back? <laughs> But make them think that I am vaccinated so people don't talk about it and don't ask me about it anymore. And he's like, oh, yeah, immunized. That's right. I was going to say inoculated, but I think immunized means uh, a little less lying make- and a little bit more convincing. And I can, like, talk my way out of it at the end and come up with this, uh, well, I'm, I've, I've got an allergy and uh, <laughs> I've, I've been doing this immunization that is just as good and blah, blah, blah. You know, so he, he like, was definitely classic habitual liar where – like, I'm going to say something that's not exactly true, but it's not exactly false. And I can talk myself <laughs> into believing that it is true so Which that when I get lie. called on it, yeah, exactly, it's what good liars do, right? They talk themselves into thinking that they're not lying. So they believe their own lies. And they always have an out. You always keep one foot in and one oh, foot yeah, he's out. Got the out. Then- oh, I got an allergy. He should have gone with the Sputnik, the Russian version of the vaccine. <laughs> right? Maybe they don't have this uh, allergy <laughs> ingredient that he's allergic to with whatever the Moderna and the Pfizer one that it, that he said. So when you tell a lie, you got to keep lying to keep it. Yeah, you got to keep know, it going. You got to keep it going. So now you can't show up. You can't show up with a mask and be like, well, you're following unvaccinated yeah, exactly. protocols. That's a great point. So now you got to keep doing no, I'm that. I'm just super careful. That's what he's yeah. just, I'm just a very, very big hypochondriac. <laughs> Man, I mean, this is a big deal. So I think, I don't know. What do you think? Do you think this changes the view of Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay? Before we move on, do you think this changes the view? And does it connect to whether or not he's continuing to be the quarterback there in the future? So I live in Wisconsin, so I understand. I grew up here, so I understand like the passion for Green Bay Packers and the fan base in general and the love for Aaron Rodgers and going back to Brett Favre. Um, and so in spite of all the drama that happened in the last couple seasons after they drafted Jordan Love and people kind of were either on Aaron's side or against Aaron or they didn't like seeing what he did to their favorite team, the Packers, um, I think a lot of that kind of was swept under the rug and people forgot about it because he'd been playing so well. And the team was winning and it seems like, hey, they kind of patched it up and maybe there is a path to a future with Aaron Rodgers. However, in Green Bay, even as much as they love the Packers, the one thing that seems to trumpet from a I'm on your side or I'm not on your side thing is this COVID stuff, right? Because it's been such a part of our lives for the last couple of years. It's so polarizing on all levels that it is the one thing that I can think of 
maybe outside of family, like immediate family that people might side with their immediate family over Packers, but like the COVID and where they stand on it and the vaccine might be the one thing that people would say, you know what? I love Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, but now I hate him because of his stance on this. Mm. Um, And so I think this definitely hurts him as far as like his brand and his love in Green Bay. But I actually think what happened when he comes back and he he will hopefully this week and i think they're going to go on another another good run because aaron rodgers is a lot like baker mayfield that baker mayfield cycle like when everybody wants to shit on him like <laughs> he plays his best think about he was he was kind of sliding going into the draft where they drafted jordan love he wasn't a bad player but he certainly wasn't an mvp and all of a right. sudden you draft jordan love you motivate him it's me versus the world i'm going to prove him all wrong like that's his personality that's where we are again so i think you're going to see an even better version of aaron rodgers here the rest of the season and i think what that does is it does two things. One, he's playing lights out, so it's going to be even harder, I think, for Green Bay to get rid of him. And if they do, I don't know if there's anybody out there that can pay the type of draft capital that he'll command as a current probable MVP. But also, everybody got to see what life was like without Aaron Rodgers. They got one of the best defenses in the NFL right now, the way they're playing. They mm-hmm. held Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey, and Patrick Mahomes to a pathetic outing on offense and they still lost the game. And remember the chief's defense stinks. So there's 30 offenses in the NFL that could put up a lot of points on this chief's defense. And they didn't do it with Jordan love. Jordan love looked confused. He struggled to even get the operation right for this team. And that gives Aaron Rodgers an enormous amount of leverage going into this off season to say, Hey, you guys want to go there? Jordan love. You, you like that experiment? No. I'm willing to stick around, but you got to sign me to this type of contract. I got to get these stipulations in the contract and you got to bring Devontae Adams back. So I actually think it strengthens his position after this season to be there long-term. I, I say don't do it. I say you let it let it ride, man. I mean, you in relationships, I was always taught you lose them how you get them. And it's funny watching the Aaron Rodgers love situation play out exactly the same way the Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers situation <laughs> played out. Like the even... Even to I'm I'm sure Love probably hates Aaron Rodgers. Deep down, the same inside. way Rodgers hated Brett Favre. Like it is, it's almost comical mm. to see like history repeating itself. But yeah, Love struggled. Did not look like Aaron Rodgers at all in that nope, game. Not Aaron Rodgers confirmed. The thing that I think gives it kind of hope: watching Justin Fields this week versus yeah, the Pittsburgh better. Steelers. Remember mm-hmm. his first game, right? As a yeah. as a, his first start. Um, and that's kind of the situation I think love is in. Like, it takes a little bit to understand. And now you see Justin Fields, he's starting to understand the speed of the game, when to run, when to use his athleticism, when to get out the pocket. And you could just tell the game is slowing down for him. I wouldn't say pass on love just because that one game, don't don't hand the keys to Green Bay over soon. It's not going to be owned by the, the city anymore. Aaron Rodgers is going to own you. You got to put your foot down. All right, next up, speaking of championships, as I'm sitting here wearing my two CFL yeah. championship rings. Look at those things. They're huge, right? It looks like my son wearing my Outback <laughs> Bowl championship <laughs> ring right there. How big are those fingers? What what size are you, like a six and a half, maybe six and a quarter there? Is that your ring size? I don't know my ring size. I wear a, a medium NFL <laughs> glove, though. So I, I was going to say, I know you didn't go to the NFL combine, so they never measured your hand. But no. I got to guess your, your hand is like seven and a half inches. Those are some very small fingers. I did get my hand measured and my, my hand, funny, my hand always measured larger than what my hand is. It sounds weird, but so my thumb, like 
goes it's, so wide and they measure yeah. from pinky to thumb right. that it basically can do a straight line. And so my hands measure regular, like, like oh, it's yes, pretty big Regular sized size. human beings. <laughs> yeah. As opposed to from here to here where they'd be like, oh, you have um, the little Burger King hands from the commercials. Yeah, we could do a whole show on the ridiculous <laughs> measurements at, at the combine from the stupid tests and the stupid hand measurements and the arm measurements and how like just having a flexible thumb makes people think you have these huge <laughs> hands. But I will say, I am even more impressed with your ability to catch anything with those little Burger King hands Thank that you. you have. But what we're trying to get to <laughs> is the New England Patriots and the cheating culture and the reputation that they have building all these cheaters hey. from the moment you land there, including Mr. Andrew Hawkins. Hey, so did you, you see it. what happened this weekend with Mac Jones, right? There was a sack fumble. Carolina Panthers defensive lineman Brian Burns came in, sacked him. Ball comes popping out. The ball's free. Mac Jones turns around, grabs Brian by the ankle with his two hands, and then with his legs goes for the MMA double leg takedown sweep twist gator roll. And it certainly looked like, from my perspective, that not only was he trying to tackle the player that didn't have the ball, that was trying to get the ball, but it looked like there was some ill intent. I don't know. What was your perspective on all that? I didn't mind it, to be honest. And maybe that's the patriot in me. That's because you've been indoctrinated. It didn't take maybe. very long, right? Those I was only there six, for six breakfasts weeks. you had there <laughs> really got you convinced. <laughs> Do they play music or like Bill Belichick's voice? Like subliminally in the breakfast room, like, <laughs> you will do whatever it takes to win. <laughs> do your job. Yeah. It's okay to hurt people <laughs> if you win. Tom Brady, he sucks. I am your God. Tom Brady introduced himself to me. You think that's what Bill Belichick plays backwards messages into the speaker system? Yeah, yeah. Yes. He's like, Here, here's your CD. It's in your playbook. You know, it's just got a few easy listening things while you're studying your playbook at night. It's just his voice being played backwards. Yeah, I definitely, I, I couldn't drink the Kool-Aid fully. I was there for like six weeks. Mm -hmm. uh, and, may, and maybe, maybe it did seep into my system, but I'm looking at this play and I, there's like a thin line between doing too much and not doing enough. Did Mac Jones flirt with it? Yeah, I think he did. But from his perspective, he was like, yo, this guy's getting the ball. I'm going to stop him from scoring. So I like the argument that, you know, it's kind of like the Aaron Rodgers situation. You're halfway in, halfway out. Hey, hey, I thought he had the ball. So I was trying to get him down by his ankle. You know, I didn't think it was dirty, though. I think it was just him. Like, I don't want you to get the football. Yeah. If I just let you go, they're going to say how old Mac Jones, he, he's He's not going to fit well with the Patriots. Tom Brady would never let somebody pick up a fumble and return it for a touchdown. <laughs> he definitely flirted with the line of, I will literally do anything it takes to win, including like try to twist this guy's ankle and, and do whatever it takes to uh, rip his cleats off so that he can't get the football. But did you like Bill Belichick's explanation when he said that he thought that Mac thought that the guy had the ball? I did. I thought I thought. I thought the same explanation when I seen it. It's pretty clear when you look at the video that he knew he didn't have the ball because right when Mac picks his head up, he can see Brian Burns' hands. However, I do think that he Brian Burns was trying to get the ball and that Dan, um, Mac Jones, almost said Daniel Jones, Mac Jones <laughs> was trying to stop him from getting the ball, which I still kind of get it. And, and maybe he was doing that and not really trying to hurt the uh, Brian Burns. However... I think that just is a little bit over the line. Maybe. And I think I think it's just because of the history of the Patriots. Now, yeah. look, I can say from experience, at least when I'm there, it's not like, you know, Belichick and Robert Kraft have a cheating manual on like, here's how you here's how you get over on the NFL and the rules in every situation. Here's here's what you do when there's a fumble. It's that that's not what happens. They're actually 
probably the other way. Like they they would they berate players that do anything remotely that could possibly cost them a football game. Yeah, so, penalty. Yeah, like anything. <laughs> I remember we played the Patriots um, and we got our butts kicked versus them. I think it was 2016. And they had a, a corner. I think it was Cyrus Jones. And I was blocking or I may have been on the ground or something. And I came into that game with a bum ankle. And all of a sudden, I feel this stomp on my ankle. And so I'm like, yo, this guy is trying to take me out. So I was pissed the rest of the game. And I was just like going after him. I'm trying to cut him, take his knees out, backside of plays. Like, oh, it's the NFL. So I'm like, if you do that to me, I'm going to do it to you kind of thing. And so we get in a fight. Or actually, he gets starts fighting me. He gets ejected from the game. I'm like waving on the sideline, like, aha, I got you type of stuff. And then I uh, signed in New England and our lockers were literally right beside each other. It was very Ooh, awkward. How'd that go over? Oh, it was very, You very guys weren't awkward. sharing any of the baby powder or uh, the lotion, were you? <laughs> no, nah, it was it Everyone was can use this except for Andrew Hawkins. He wrote that right there on the bottle. It was like after like a week and a half, I, we had, I had to be like, yo, man, that, that's all behind us. And he was like, <laughs> yeah, whatever, but- I didn't stomp on your damn ankle. Like he, he was like <laughs> adamant. Like I got pushed from behind. Yeah. It turns out he was right. He did get pushed from yeah. behind, and he like. So I was completely in the wrong. Um, I, I will. I will say that I, I don't think that Bill Belichick even is the type of coach that he's not going to ever explicitly say like, "Yes, you need to go out and hurt this guy, or you need to do whatever it takes to win." Mm-hmm. But I do think that he builds a culture by the way they teach things and the way they go through their process of getting ready for the week that gives you a pretty clear impression as a player. Like I better be doing everything it takes to get this win, or I'm not going to be here the next week. The way they bring guys in and out every week and they're always trimming the last few guys on the roster, they're cutting them and getting them out of there and bringing new guys in to make you fear uh, the grim reaper showing up at any moment. Um, They're calling guys out in meetings with, watching film in front of the entire team and saying, this guy didn't do it. And then they get rid of him right away. I mean, it's like the gulags, but um, I think more than anything, I remember because I had a couple head coaches that came from new England. One of the things they would do is we would talk about the injury report that week. They would always make a big deal about, Hey, this guy's got a knee. They wouldn't say you should twist this guy's knee, but they're like, (laughs) he's got a bad knee. He's probably not going to be running as fast. He's, you know, Hey, this guy's coming back from a shoulder injury. Let's make sure he feels it. Like those are the type of things that you would hear. And I'm sure that they were going on in uh, New England because that's where all those New England guys learned it from because most of them had no experience outside of working for Bill Belichick. So um, I think the culture that they build and the process they that they build encourages this type of behavior. Well, I went on stand for that. I'm a, I'm a proud patriot in the <laughs> ring of honor for the six weeks that I spent there in an offseason. All right, real quick. You don't see any like Tom Brady-ness in Mac Jones because I kind of see it. Just a little bit? Yeah. Uh, here's what you see. You see really good decision-making, and this is like the nerdy uh, NFL analyst thing. Like, great decision-making, good accuracy underneath. But if you guys remember, Tom Brady really wasn't amazing as a young player. Like, they were winning with defense. They were winning with the running game. And mm-hmm. it was up to Brady just not to screw it up. And that's what we're seeing from Mac Jones. So I think he's on sort of the same trajectory. But when Brady became the greatest of all time was what he did after they won a couple Super Bowls, it was turning himself into a guy who was a deep threat, who could mm-hmm. take over the game with his arm, who could dink and dunk his way down the field, or he could take the shots when they had like Randy Moss. Like 
So that's the next evolution for Mac if he wants to become a franchise quarterback. And he just hasn't done that yet. But you you have to say for a rookie, he's done a great job not making the mistakes that most rookies make and doing a great job managing the game and giving his team a chance to win, understanding, hey, I got a great defense on the other side. The number one thing I can't do as a quarterback right now is screw this up for everybody else because this defense is going to keep us in every single game. If you said he was the best rookie quarterback, I, I wouldn't be able to argue right now because I mean, he's played, he's played really well. Well, especially because all the other rookie quarterbacks have really struggled. It's been, it's been a tough year for rookies. But Justin Fields, hey, after last night or uh, uh, Monday's game, he's going to have a little chance by the end of the season to be the guy that everyone thought he was going to be a little bit sooner than people mm-hmm. expected. And he, he might even push for that Offensive Rookie of the Year award, which I think Jamar Chase has right now. Yeah, Jamar Chase kind of has it in the bag. But we'll see what Justin Fields does down the stretch. Speaking of quarterbacks struggling, um, which might not be a good segue. Mm, uh, it is because he didn't struggle last week. <laughs> yeah, speaking of quarterbacks, all of a sudden not struggling. Baker Mayfield, what do you think? Is he underrated, overrated, normally rated? Like, what do you give me your unbiased as good as best you can, Joe, as I see all the Browns garb in your background. Yeah, yeah. And that little helmet mini helmet me. that you have behind you. Oh, that was the <laughs> helmet that you wore when you played in the NFL. I thought it was a mini helmet. Sorry. Uh, no, here, here's what it is with Baker. And this is as unbiased as I can possibly be. I think he's underrated, right? He is one of the biggest personalities in the NFL. He has probably more commercials than anybody in the NFL, even than uh, Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes with their State Farm stuff. He's really good as an actor with those progressive commercials. They've got tons of them. They're all over the place. He's not afraid to pick fights with members of the media. He was the number one overall pick. And thus far, maybe he hasn't lived up to the expectations of the number one overall pick. So what does that cause a lot of, right? That causes a lot of jealousy amongst media members, amongst other players in the NFL, because especially guys that are like quarterbacks are thinking, Hey, man, I've done a lot more than Baker has, and he's the one that's getting all the commercials. He's the one that's getting all the attention. And as you know, not me, but you, uh, NFL (laughs) players are attention whores, and they will do anything for that attention. So I think there's a lot of bias against Baker because of his personality, and that leads them to hate on him when they shouldn't. Now, sometimes he has deserved it. There's no doubt he has not played great all the time. He's not even played great a lot. He's played good quite a bit. He's played poorly enough, enough for people in Cleveland to have legitimate gripes. But I think Mm -hmm. overall, he's a little bit underrated because in this offense that he's in, they're not going to ask him to throw 40 times and win the game. Like This is a run the ball, check down to your tight ends, throw screens, and operate everything efficiently offense. And that's all he needs to do. And the good news for him is that's kind of where he's at his best. He doesn't uh, thus far, he has not shown us, going back to the Freddie Kitchens era, that he is good at being a drop back in the pocket, read the defense, go one, two, three, progression, and fire the football. It's funny you say he's underrated, but then you describe the opposite of underrated in your entire explanation. <laughs> You're like, I said, he's underrated. Well, take it out, he's the first overall pick, and he's not played to that expectation. Well, I think the expectations of him being a first overall pick are kind of behind us, right? Because that was several years ago. And so I think everyone kind of has this idea of kind of where he is. And and um, yeah, I mean, I, I think most people want him to be shitty. And so therefore, right. they like underrate him in their own mind. Yeah. I, and, I, and I get what you're saying, because I, I agree. I think Baker's a good quarterback. And I think he plays poorly at times, as do a lot of quarterbacks. Um, but when he plays really, really well, 
there's always a hesitation from people for people from people to jump in and say how well he's playing. Like he's not, you know, when he's bad, they really give it to him. But when he's great, they still kind of reserve like giving him the props that he deserves. He played really well last week. Uh, I I think just he's the kind of the kind of person um, we've seen that we've seen in the league where quarterbacks and certain personnel just don't mesh. You could be a really good quarterback. You could be a really great running back, great receiver, great tackle or whatever. And there's just some clashes of personality or play style or chemistry, whatever it is. And that's that's normal. And that's OK. Everybody can't play everywhere. And obviously I'm um, referencing the OBJ situation in Cleveland. I still think OBJ is a, a top freaking wide receiver, man. And I get, oh, his numbers aren't there. You can't just look at numbers because situation matters, especially probably more than anybody that, at the wide receiver position because you have you don't have the ability to dictate how much you touch the ball, how many uh, looks you get, what your situation is when you're getting the ball. So when you think of the top wide receivers ever, nine times out of 10, you can name their quarterback. And they're also a top quarterback. That is not chance. That is not coincidence. So just some situations you got you to break free from. And I think this is going to help Baker for the rest of the season, help OBJ for the rest of the season, help the Browns for the rest of the season, and whatever organization that uh, OBJ ends up with for the rest of the season. I, I think Baker did an amazing job this week in the media before all, uh, the, the game with all the OBJ stuff going around. And then after the game, I thought he was really good showing humility, showing um, self-awareness, showing mm-hmm. leadership. And the team went out and played their best football. And I feel like he's learning and he's understanding, like when I go and try to attack people in the media and fire back when people say bad stuff, it only leads to more bad stuff because Mm -hmm. you lower yourself to the level of us bums in the media when you're trying to attack and fight with us. And then people can't figure out who are the bums. Like they, they think that you're maybe the bum because you're the one that's getting into these petty arguments with people. And it's one of the reasons that when you get into the NFL and you do your media training, and every team in the NFL does this, they talk about, all right, here's how you answer these questions. Here's the things to stay away from. And one of the things they talk about is don't pick fights with people in the media. You're not going to win. It's impossible because they're always going to be holding the mic at the end. Because in the end, you have to go out and play. And if you play well, it doesn't matter because at some point, you're going to have a bad game. Everybody has a bad game, and they're all going to be waiting with pitchforks to jump on top Mm -hmm. of your grave. And this is why likability is important because you get the benefit of the doubt. And I, hopefully the lessons are being learned by Baker. Like if you try to be a little bit more likable and don't pick those fights and you don't pick those fights um, with fans and people in the media and you don't worry about what everybody thinks, like they're going to give you the benefit of the doubt when you don't play your best game. And when you do play your best and you play really well, like you did last weekend, people will finally give you your credit and it won't be such an uphill battle all the time that you feel like. I'm not getting the respect I deserve because the people that are out there that are largely responsible for uh, the perception of how well players are playing and if they deserve this contract or that contract are going to be on your side and they're going to be happy for you and for your success. Absolutely. Well, there you have it. I mean, the Tomahawk crew is the experts on likability, leadership, (laughs) self-awareness, humility. Um, Pause. It's opposite day. Yeah, not not uh, not experts Except on winning. None of Baker. those things. So take take what we say with a grain of salt, because we also went one in thirty one. All right, Joe, let's switch gears a little bit and play a play a game. All right, last week I saw a quote that allegedly came from an anonymous Browns player who called OBJ uh, malcontent 
He said he had a malcontent attitude, which sparked something in me. I, I mean, I've talked to literally 2,000 plus professional football players in my life, and not a single time had I ever heard one of them use the word malcontent. Uh, Joe, I know you sure as hell don't use malcontent because you dropped out of school in eighth grade to become a left tackle. So we're going to play a little game. This is the Tom and Hawk Football Show, and Amazon Music presents the NFL Vocabulary Quiz. Joe, I'm going to give you an SAT word that I likely cannot pronounce, and you have to guess which either NFL player or NFL hot topic I am describing. Are you ready? Never been more ready. All right. Number one. This change to the game is execrated by all football fans. I feel like the word execrated means enjoyed, improved, Mm. uh, appreciated by all of us. And what they're referring to is the more spread, open offenses that we're seeing in today's NFL, which is leading to record scoring, unbelievable quarterback play, and it's really good for the game of football. Uh, And it's really good for the NFL that they have execrated all of us. Judges? Oh, I'm sorry. You were very wrong. Very wrong. I feel like this is a binary game. You're either wrong or you're you're right. You're not very wrong. Yo, you are you are extraordinarily wrong. Execrated <laughs> means to declare be evil or detestable. And oh, the NFL on. topic we were referring to taunting. Taunting oh. is execrated by well, all football fans. But we still have four left, Joe. Right. Don't worry, there's hope. All right, number two. This exciting quarterback is a neophyte. This exciting quarterback is a neophyte. So, Neo. I think that's how you say it. Yeah, neophyte. Uh, neo means new, I think, in Latin. Not that I ever took Latin, but I feel like neo should mean new because it's only one letter away from new. Uh, mm-hmm. Fight. I feel like I've seen that before, uh, but I'm not exactly sure where that is. So clearly this would have been one of those ones on the SAT where I just don't answer. So I I don't risk being deducted points, but I'm going to say you're talking about uh, Justin Fields because it says exciting rookie quarterback and neophyte means like new to the position. So I feel like he's new to playing after Andy Dalton was injured. He is a neophyte quarterback. Judges? That is correct. Yes! Oh! Neophyte. In baseball. Novice, going to the Hall of Fame. A person who is new to a subject, skill, or belief, and we yes. are referencing Chicago Bears quarterback, Justin Fields. Oh, I even guessed a player. Yes! Now you're cooking. Number three. This quarterback is prone to press the tit- <laughs> This... We're gonna get this. This quarterback is prone to Press to digitation, even when struggling overall. This quarterback is prone to press to digitation, even <laughs> press to digitation. There's even way too many eyes in there. This is a, uh, a Samoan word. There's a lot of eyes in there, a lot of vowels. <laughs> um, press to digitation. So in the middle of the word, it's digit, which usually means like fingers, like digits. Uh, Presti might be an Italian. I feel like this is an Italian word for uh, new fingers and shun things, doing things. Uh, He's he's prone to having new fingers and doing things with them. 
Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if that describes anybody in the NFL, even when he's struggling. So that means he's usually probably a really good quarterback. So I think you're probably talking about Tom Brady. Judges? Oh, I'm sorry, Joe. Damn. Wrong again. Press to digitation <laughs> means magic, tricks performed for entertainment, and we are referencing none other than Patrick Mahomes. Oh, wow. There you go. I guess it's a good use of that word. I'm going to use that in Thursday's Thursday night game in Miami. <laughs> That's Please be do. Beautiful. Press to digitation. Press to I'd love to see what Irv and Steve's face is going to look like when I use that word. Press digitation. Because I can use it. It's Lamar Jackson, right? I mean, he's yeah. a prestidigitation quarterback also. Yeah. yeah. So that, that, you, and you're nailing the pronunciation like I did. All right. We still have two left. There's a chance that you could still have a overall winning record here. Number four. And I'm going to struggle with this one. This <laughs> Aeonian, Aeon, a, this Aeonian running back scored a meaningful touchdown this weekend. Aeonian. I feel like this is an easy one. Aeonian, even though I've never heard this word before, clearly means like old geezer, old fogey. Like this Mm. old fogey running back scored a meaningful touchdown this weekend. uh, And that would be referring to the one and only AD all day, Adrian Peterson, the running back of older than Hawk age and in my draft class age, and for some reason he's still playing in his 15th season, and he scored a touchdown for the Tennessee Titans. The best team in the AFC, judges? (laughs) Second best. Correct, Joe. Yes! Which brings your record to two two. and two. Aeonian means lasting for an immeasurable or indefinite long period of time. Mm. Does not mean Adrian Peterson is the answer. It is the opposite of what my longevity looks like. That would be the Ravens' backfield. It would be similar. Very so I can use similar. that one. I can use two backs. of these words in the game. There you go. Thursday. All right, here we go. Last one, and it comes down to this. This team is the most ignominious in the NFL. This team is the most ignominious in the NFL is still the most ignominious. So they're talking about most as in either best or worst. So it's either the team that's mm-hmm. still the best or still the worst in the NFL. And I'm guessing there's probably a lot more consternation over who's the best Ooh. team in the NFL since you and I can't agree on it. Uh, but the worst team in the NFL clearly is a team that hasn't won any games. So that would be the Detroit Lions. So I'm saying ignominious, ignominious, ignominious. I think that's the word. Ignominious is... The Detroit Lions as the worst team in the world. Judges, congratulations, yes, Joe. I am the greatest. You are the smartest former football player to ever play the NFL vocabulary game presented by the Tom and Hawk Football Show. I'd like to thank my family for always sticking with me, even through the hard times. I'd like to thank my fans, wherever you are. I know we went 1-31 for a nice stretch of my career, but uh, you stuck with it. You knew there would be a payoff one day, and that day is today as I hoist the NFL vocabulary trophy over my head and spike this proverbial football all over Andrew Hawkins for trying to screw me in the vocabulary (laughs) game, but 
failing miserably, just like his Patriots career. As always, thank you to our fans for sitting in on the NFL vocabulary game. We just got word that it is almost confirmed, positive, guaranteed that Joe cheated. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Joe, we got a little bit of time left. Let's get to some quick picks for week 10 NFL football, starting off with the Falcons at the Cowboys, who you got quickly and why. Well, I got the Cowboys. This is a big bounce back game for them. This is a reversion to the mean since this seems to be a vocabulary show. That's a financial term. Uh, I like Dak Prescott a little bit healthier after that calf injury. And I know the Falcons have been surging, but I love revenge games. This is the Dan Quinn revenge game. Cowboys did not tackle, did not play very inspired defense last week. That's going to be totally different because they love Dan Quinn and they love going and giving him an opportunity to whoop up on his former team. I got the Cowboys big. Yeah, we're lying there. I got the Cowboys. The thing I look for with good quarterbacks is how they play after a bad game. Dak had a bad game. I think he's a great quarterback. I think he bounces back big against the Falcons, who are actually a lot better football team than we thought they would have been coming into the season. All right, number two, we got the Saints at the Tennessee Titans, the AFC leading Tennessee Titans. Joe, who you got? Yeah, this one's easy. My bias comes out here because the Titans are going to lose. Teams are going to kind of start figuring out on how they're trying to run their offense without Derrick Henry. They're going to get a beat on them. They're going to see that fingerprint. They're going to be able to start attacking them. No better defense to attack what the Titans are trying to do in the post-Derrick Henry era than the New Orleans Saints, who are the best defense in the NFL. And they are my pick to win the NFC South, which was sort of like that game that every producer likes to play. Who's your surprise pick to pull to win? Blah, 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 blah. So I picked the Saints. And I'm really sticking through this one because two good things could happen. One, it could prove my pick that the Saints win the NFC South sort of correctly, or at least on the train to being correct. And I could prove to my Bozo co-host, Andrew Hawkins, that the Titans are not the best team in the AFC. Oh man, Joe, you are you are wrong, man. The Titans are going to win this. They're going to go to five straight games on 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 a playoff win team. Were the Saints in the playoffs last year? Yeah, they were, right? Yeah, we'll say they were. Saints in the playoffs <laughs> last year, five straight games against playoff teams, and their Aeonian running back is going to have his coming out party. Oh, nice. And Adrian Peterson, Saints don't even have a quarterback. Joe, you're crazy. All right, next one. We got my Browns mm. at my mm. New England Patriots. Yeah. It's like Hawk Bowl Part Two. Yeah, this is uh, Andrew Hawkins Bowl. Too bad they didn't play it on Andrew Hawkins Day, and this really would have been special. (laughs) Maybe both teams could have simultaneously retired your number, put it into the rafters. That's cool. But I think the Browns win this one handily. The Browns' pass rush is relentless, and they can terrorize a rookie quarterback like they did with Justin Fields a few weeks ago. Browns are rolling. I still feel like in the Baker-Mayfield cycle, he has not yet gotten to the – call out doubters mode where the next game is where he plays like shit. We're still in that like underdog mentality mode because after the Bengals game, um, he didn't call anybody else out. He did a great job of just like deflecting praise and not really making it a big deal about him and Odell. So I still think underdog mentality for Baker Mayfield means victory on Sunday. Yeah, I got the Browns winning here just because I think the Patriots haven't played anybody. They beat the... They haven't played anybody. They haven't beat anybody. They haven't beat anybody. That's like worth writing home about. They beat the Jets twice, Texans, Chargers, Panthers. Those teams are bad. Browns are not. Browns get the win. All right. Next up, we got the Seahawks at the Packers. Joe, who you got? Yeah, bounce back game. Aaron Rodgers is back. 
He's in the similar Baker Mayfield uh, underdog mentality, chip on his shoulder, prove everybody wrong mode, and uh, that's bad news for the Seahawks, even though this is Russell Wilson's first game back. Yeah, I got the Packers winning too, but I do have them on upset watch because Russ is back and there's a lot of headlines and storylines around the Packers that don't feel good. Oh, great media analysis there. You're going to pick the Packers, but put the Seahawks on upset alert, right? So you can come back on the show next week and go, I told you I was right. Yeah, of course. That's Smart how man. media works. Are you new at this? Welcome I to am. sports media, Joe. I'm Andrew yes. Hawkins, uh, co-host of the Tom and Hawk football show. All right, last one. Chiefs at Raiders. Who you got? I like the Raiders. This is a bounce back game for them. The Chiefs squeaked by the Packers without Aaron Rodgers and did not look good on offense. Um, have not really solved any of the issues that they've had all season long, which is they can't get Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey the ball anymore. Um, so Raiders bounce back. They had a tough week last week. It showed on the field, but I think they're able to overcome. And this is the circle of the wagons. We're all in this together game for the Raiders. I just look at the Chiefs last couple of games and I say, would the Raiders be able to put the points up to win those games when they played? You know, like the Giants couldn't or like the Packers couldn't without Aaron Rodgers. And I'm like, yes, I think they can. Chiefs still haven't figured it out on offense. Defense playing bad. I got the Raiders winning as well. All right, guys, that does it for this episode of the Tom and Hawk Football Show. Appreciate everybody listening. Make sure that you follow us on Amazon Music, the Tom and Hawk Football Show, or wherever you listen to your podcast. And check out our Monday minicast exclusively on Amazon Music. Joe, take us out. In the Andrew Hawkins Bowl, I think it's important that everybody remembers to Joe Hawk yourself.